Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Good morning, good Saturday. It's a warm one yet again. We're in the middle of the summer, middle of the country. We're in the middle of the day. Home Improvement KMOX. Two hours today, Cardinal Baseball later today on KMOX. Right now, all about you, for you, by you, with you. We're going to talk about your homes, all the places that you're responsible for that are shelter, whether it's a building that you occupy, manage, whatever it is, renter, buyer, owner, all of those things, and do-it-yourself, professionally performed, all the types of construction that bring something to you, your home, your security, safety, and comfort. Scott Mosby here, two hours. I am your host today. Uh, I'm enjoying the time here. Uh, I I enjoy the weather. Actually, believe it or not, I kind of like the heat. Um, you know, I, I like winter sports too, uh, but they come and they go, uh, and, uh, all four seasons are nice to have phone lines for you talking about any topic you choose for the next two hours, 314-436-7900, So we've got lots to talk about today. Maybe your air conditioner is is still giving you uh, troubles, but I'm going to start out today with my typical walkabout, kind of a tip of the hat from Mike Miller in the Camwex Garden Hotline preceding here. Uh, And frankly, as you go outside around your house, I like to do it a little uh, before now. (laughs) I like it earlier in the morning when it's cooler, quieter, and uh, the world hasn't really started yet, but just uh, bright enough to take a look at the house. Start at the top of the home. Look at the roof. See if there's anything up there that shouldn't be up there. Are there shingles missing? Is there some sort of a an appearance? Maybe a shingle looks like it's torn off. It would show up as a discoloration, something just off. But, you know, sticks and leaves and branches and stuff like that, you know, don't belong up on the roof. Take a look at the chimney, any flashing where that chimney intersects with the roof or any dormers, and that is kind of a window or ventilation uh, little roof section coming out at a right angle to the existing and where that siding where that window where the bottom intersects the roof shingles that too is cause for concern give it a little bit of a look inspect it all you're looking for is something that looks off out of the ordinary uh out on something uneasy about it Uh, that's all you need to do take a look at it that's when you know maybe go out and get a pair of binoculars something like that get a better look at it and if necessary that continues to be a little suspicious then call a pro and you know maybe have a roofer come out or a tuck point or somebody that you trust Uh, uh, previous relationships matter for you and me as consumers as we go through our lives and our responsibilities knowing how somebody communicates with us, where they come from in terms of their relation. You know, they're a roofer, they're a carpenter, uh, or maybe it's just a knowledgeable neighbor, somebody just to get another set of eyes on it to say, hey, does this look right to you? Look at the gutters. Gutters cause for concern uh, with some of the heavier rainfall we've had here. Uh, Most gutters are going to be pretty well cleaned out here throughout the summer. And uh, we can talk about that and more. 314-436-7900 puts us together. And we've got two hours. Bring it on. Bring it early. 
early. Uh, let's get started on your questions. As you come down, look at where the gutters and the gutter boards are because any peeling rain there might be a cause for a second look or a little harder look or take a peek a little bit more because if water doesn't get removed from the edge of the roof, it tends to puddle or you know wrap around or if it's a leaky gutter or overflowing gutter it will wear out that part of the paint quicker than maybe normal so look at the soffit any overhang gutter boards things like that those are the ones that matter Um, that's where to take a look look for the ventilation if you have a soffit an overhang an eave there and there are perforations in it um, or uh, vents where air intake can happen low around the gutter line overhang. Uh, Look at that. See that they are clear and free um, because a really good operating attic ventilation system will get dusty and cobwebby at these intake areas because if you're inhaling or moving air from outside your home, you know, the dust, the debris, the leaves, all that stuff comes along with it, sticks to that, and, the, you know, the spiders like to move in there because the bugs get stuck. And So anyway, sometimes they need a little bit of a brushing off, but take a look at that. If you have some blockage at that place, that's a good sign. That's a very good sign. That means air is coming in on those low overhangs and probably as exhausting, leaving, or um, uh, ventilating your attic at the high points, whether it's a pan vent, a ridge vent, or the gable vents, all the ways that air gets out at the high parts of our roof. So, But if, they're, if they get a little bit too um, gunky, if you will, you know, maybe take a long uh, pole, like a painting uh, pole, extension pole, put a little broom head on the front and clean it off. That's all it takes. Um, so anyway, take a look at that. Look around your windows for any kind of caulking around those. Check your screens. Look at the siding. And then as you come down to your doors, likewise the doors. At the very bottom, where the brick meets the foundation, where the siding meets the foundation, where that change in material is uh, that change is really where the foundation holds up the house and it's kind of a structural heavy duty kind of gross big building materials two by fours two by sixes on top of a chunk of concrete with steel bolts and it's hard to seal up and it's hard to see so take a look all the way around Uh, actually right about this time of day a little bit earlier I like to go around in the basement and just walk around and look at that because if I see light shining through that means there's kind of a lack of caulking or some area and that's likely where bugs come in and this time of year bugs love our air conditioning they're trying to come in so keep that in mind there's a lot to talk about as you come on around getting down make sure your uh, door locks uh, properly latch uh, uh, you know screen doors storm doors um, primary doors make sure they latch and the deadbolts move freely because in a in a problem or an escape may it be a fire or something like that you need to get out uh, quickly and that deadbolt has to operate to get out of the way for you to escape uh, 314-436-7900 puts us together to talk about this uh, now wrapping up uh, as I go through my little opening each uh, show or hour uh, the air conditioning change your uh, furnace uh, filters 
keep those clean and clear. I like to put a new filter in right before I slide it in. Today is August 5th. I put 85-23 changed. And that tells me that the last time I changed that filter was August 5th was today. You know, so if I'm three months down the line, I can figure it. I pull it out, and it still looks pretty clear. I'm like, well, it's only three months ago. So anyway, there you go. Uh, then as it gets outside to the outside condenser, that uh, keep that clear. Likewise, that needs, uh, if you've got a leaf blower, that's always handy. Uh, just blow it off. Uh, keep the dust. It's like the radiator on your car. The more air that goes through it, the better, more efficient, and the in at least uh, expensive operation you get out of that air conditioning system. So make sure all the stuff is, is two to four feet away at least uh, so that it gets a good circulation of air. Uh, 314-436-7900 puts us together. I'm going to take a short pause for this. We're getting to phone calls right when I come back. We've got a good day today, great weather, lots of things to talk about, uh, some extremes in the weather and the humidity, uh, dehumidifiers, all those sorts of things. And as we uh, probably get through the summer just a bit more, we're going to face a few more Really warmish times uh, as we sneak up around 100 degrees later on this summer. Scott Mosby Home Improvement. Uh, this is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. I am truly here at your service. Bring on your calls, your questions, do-it-yourself comments, all those things. 314-436-7900. Scott Mosby, I will return after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. And back together, home improvement, Scott Mosby, two full hours, bring it on. I know in these warmer temperatures, uh, you hometown DIY, do-it-yourself heroes are uh, really taking advantage of inside work. I know the outside work might be early in the mornings, I get it, Uh, but likewise, if you're doing some work in the basement, uh, basement bathroom, repairs around, all the various things that you and I do around our homes, we can talk about that. I am your research professional. I have made all these mistakes, uh, some two times, uh, those we I really would ra- rather not talk about. But think of me as the pre-disastered guy that messed all this stuff up for a long time, and I can maybe save you a trip into the uh, potholes and bunkers of problems there. So uh, bring it on. If you've got questions about how to do something, uh, I- I'll certainly enjoy helping you here. 314-436-7900. Let's talk to my friend Dwayne. Hey, Dwayne, good morning. Well, Welcome to Camelwings. How can I help? Hey, Dwayne, turn your radio down because uh, it's seven seconds behind the phone. Listen to your phone, please. Yep. All right. Dwayne, good morning. How can I help you, sir? Hey, but uh, enjoy your show very much. I appreciate your knowledge. (laughs) Thank you. you. So I have a deck on the back of my house. It's 15 foot by 45 foot. It's mostly covered. And... uh, it's been about five years since I had it sealed. How often should you seal a deck? Ideally, it depends on the sealing type. Generally, um, uh, two to three years uh, before the UV starts tearing up the sealer. Uh, it depends on the type. Um, an opaque or semi-opaque, which means it's got a heavy colorant to it or pigment. It's like a 
paint or a milky paint or like a pigmented uh, colored stain, those tend to last a little bit longer, but they start looking bad still about three years. So sometime around St. Louis with the weather that we have, we get the we get real summers and we get real winters and all the changes in between. So oh. I, I think it's time for you to power wash and maybe put some deck stripper because if you've got if you've got covered deck and you've got uncovered deck, uh, the, you've got two different answers. The covered deck is probably looking pretty good and it's about time to start sealing. The uncovered deck uh, was ready to clean and seal it probably okay. a couple of years yeah, on ago. The, on the uh, uncovered, one side is covered with a hot tub, so that's uh, don't have to do much there. But uh, And the sealer, <laughs> that they, the sealer that they used last time was very expensive. I paid quite a bit to have it sealed. So Yeah. And, it, was uh, it one I of the professionally the, applied things with the with the yeah. crystalline type things? Yes, yes, it was. Uh, yeah, it cost me fifteen hundred bucks back then. Yeah, uh, that stuff's pretty good, but it soaks in and it stays in. So that think of as uh, fortifying the inside of the wood. Now you still have to make the wood look pretty. So, you know, the infrastructure of that wood, you know, the fiber health is, is pretty good with that good sealer. But, you know, the, the the sun tears it up, so you still have to make the stuff look good. And that's yeah. what's about every three years. But you really don't have to reapply those really performance uh, sealers because they soak in, they do their thing, and they just kind of stick. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the deck has stayed together. It's uh, deck's about... 14 years old and it's in really good shape well so, what kind of material is your deck um it was um special treated lumber okay and it was done by web construction over here in uh alton godfrey yeah yeah recognize the and, name uh, and uh they actually did uh instead of the, like two by fours on the top i did two by twelves wow so it's wow. like a bar all the way around the deck oh nice nice yeah but so, all right, yeah, that's kind of why I want to know because I figure it's about time, but I figure I would just more be concerned with the outside part that's getting the sun and not so much with the inside. I'll just give it a light coat maybe. Yeah, and like Dwayne, that. you can do those top uh, two-by-twelves, you know, that kind of deck rail thing. Uh, you can do those in a different material, different finish because that's kind of like a tabletop. That's different than deck, you know, decking material. Uh, I just want to know what time cocktail hour is. Sounds like a pretty nice place with those two-by-twelves. I'll be right over, you know, whatever time you tell me. We got dartboards. We got a stereo system. <laughs> It's a, and the only bad thing is the two by twelves. They've they've started to rot, so I have to replace almost you know seventy percent of them right now. So yeah, yeah, I hear yeah. you. The, the good news is they're big. The bad news is they cup and they hold water, and it, it is what it is. Yeah, they 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 start to bow and stuff when it snows. I have to go out there and rub that snow off because otherwise it's going to sit there and soak in. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So all right, well, great. Thank you, man. I appreciate your your time. All right, Dwayne, take care. And and when you uh, seal this, if you're going to do this yourself, um, it's a few bucks more, but just get some deck stripper, and it's just an additive. It's like soap and water, but instead of soap and water, you're putting this deck stripper on. Follow the instructions. It tends to... to um, take the dark out and the light so that your first color gets more uniform so that when you start putting your sealer on, you don't want to... It's not just colored in white. different places. Yeah. 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 I get what you're saying there. Yeah, yeah. I had a little uh, about a year ago. I had a uh, it was getting kind of mossy on some of the ends, so I had to get some of that stripper and cleaner, and it it worked pretty good, but didn't do great. <laughs> I understand. Yep. Yeah. You, sounds like you're on top of it. Yeah. Well, thank you, bud. I appreciate your time and I appreciate your show. Okay, Dwayne. Take care. Bye now. 
Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX. Uh, frankly, uh, Dwayne brings up a good point about sealing his deck. Um, and frankly, if if you're good with the weather, this is a great time to seal your deck because you're getting natural rainstorm. Uh, with that comes a, a little bit of rinse. If you have a short rain, all the, the pollen and the dust comes out and deposits on your deck. But if you have a, a rather heavy rain, you know, good good Midwestern driving rainstorm for several hours or something like that, it's a bath. It really works out great. And most of the decking gets wet. That's if you can. Uh, frankly, I, in a light rain, I loved to clean my deck because I had this auto rinse feature that was falling out of the sky. Get out there with a power washer, uh, and then I'd put the additive in. Uh, sometimes I'd have power washers that have the little uh, material uptake or intake, so it would add detergent or it would add deck stripper or whatever in through a little tiny plastic tube that I just put in a five-gallon bucket, and you know wherever I went, it would go. And, and the point being that the wood would get moist, so all of the fiber fibers and the um, pores, if you will, in the wood uh, is wet. So you put some deck stripper in, that capillary action of that wet wood just takes all that stuff down pretty deeply. So you can get some pretty good stains out of that. Uh, For me, once you get it professionally sealed with a really good performance sealer, uh, that pretty much takes takes care of the inside. But you're still going to have stains on the top 16th, 8th of an inch, and that's where getting that penetration from an existing wet wood really makes a difference. Uh, 314-436-7900, bring on your questions. We'll talk about you next. But as we get into this wood, um, keep in mind you can also two-tone your deck. Uh, And by that, I mean your decking can be one color. Maybe your rails can be the same color as the deck. And then that top board, if you choose that top board, and and usually a skirt skirt board being a vertical 2x4, 2x6, something that keeps that top rail from warping a little bit. Uh, Because if you just have a flat 2x2x6, 2x8, and Dwayne's place 2x12, you know, that's a floor joist laying flat. You know, that's a countertop. Um, But those, you know, have them four, six, eight feet apart, they will sag. And therefore, there's a skirt board. Typically, we would nail vertically a two by four up and down, up on edge, if you will, that kind of reinforces that top rail, keeps it a little straighter. Those two pieces could be a little bit different color if you wanted. Uh, depends on, uh, you know, what your siding is and your roof color. One could be kind of a similar to the siding and the other more similar to the roof color or similar to the brick. That's Anyway, you can get a little bit creative. Color is a very inexpensive way to add charm, appeal, and therefore perceived value. Uh, today, I'm going to talk a little bit about how a home appraiser, a value appraiser would look at your home. Uh, and I'll get into some of the, there's home inspectors, there are home appraisers, uh, there are real estate professionals that help you market to buy or sell a home. And I'll get into some of those various roles that we have throughout the industry because uh, uh, the more complex homes become, the more professionals we call upon 
to help us interpret what we're looking at. You know, I look at a house. I love the house. I pull up at the front. You know, the colors are nice, the roof and everything's picked out. You know, good coordinating colors. Lawn looks good. You know, you get a sense. You can tell a home that is well cared for what's called curb appeal. So a house with good curb appeal typically has some uh, color coordination designed to it. Uh, it might harken back to a previous uh, architectural style, you know, Williamsburg colonial, uh, straight colonial, uh, could have, uh, you know, Romanesque features with some ornate columns when you get big, tall, big columns on the front for a two-story porch. Anyway, I'll get into that. Uh, buyer's agent, seller's agent, uh, title company, if you will. Likewise, the home inspector, which looks, looks at the nuts and bolts and the sustainability of that structure and building materials. Then the home appraiser, what they do, and then the bank, you know, the mortgage or, and then what the mortgage guys do with your notes sometimes. So I'll, 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 I'll bore you with all this stuff over the next two years. So bring some calls on. Otherwise, we're going to University of KMOX right here, Scott Mosby. So, uh, uh, well, right. You know what? Let's see what's cooking with my buddy, Ed. Hey, Ed, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help? I have a deck that was built about uh, three months ago, and at the very end of each of the top, it kind of was like a dip before it hit the last last stringer. And it's all the way across the whole deck, the very end of each topping. Uh, so you've got a deck. What is the deck material? Uh, I think it's fabricated. It's not wood. Yeah, so it's an artificial composite. Yes. And now tell me about this again. I'm having trouble visualizing your question. Speak it through again. It, it There's a dip at the very end of each of the decking. Uh-huh. It's all along the, the very end of the of the decking. It's like dips and goes, comes back up again. So there, there's water will collect very little at there at uh, almost at the very end of each uh, of the top of the deck. Uh, how far apart are your floor joists, the boards that are structural underneath those decks? decking boards i'm not sure <laughs> do well do they look like the same distance as maybe in the basement or are they wider do they look well, wider it's uh it's so close to the ground i can't see underneath it at this point i would have to take the sides off yeah yeah well here's here's one of the things with composite boards uh composite boards are really strong noodles but they are noodles they are composite and they are sub they need more support because they will sag a little uh, they they get much in a, in temperatures like this what was installed 3 months ago was at one temperature all those boards are longer so there's stress on your deck structure. What I'm getting at is I suggest you call the company back, uh, ask them this question, because it's possible maybe they want to add one more piece of, uh, of deck structure underneath to kind of take care of that. Because if they've got uh, joist spacing that are fine, but once it gets out to the last joist spacing there, uh, sometimes you put too many or too few, and and sometimes a 16-inch on center uh joy space might be either uh, 20 inches or 16 inches and as they get further out like that you may wind up stretching the span or the ability to stay straight of that composite deck and i i think that's a reasonable question for a consumer to ask of the person that you know built the deck and generally they'll come out and uh and take a look at it now holding water 
and uh, visually uh, looking cupped or warped are two different things because um, normal decking, a two-by-six will hold a puddle of water in it. Uh, composite deck will hold a puddle of water. Uh, Dwayne's first two-by-twelve on the top of his deck, I guarantee, you know, he was talking about removing snow. Well, water sits there as well. So some of uh-huh. this is, is it aesthetic or is it actually a deficiency in the deck? It's just a deficiency because there's no other water around. That's the only place where water will collect. After you know, after a few minutes, of course, the deck will be dry or whatever. Yeah, it, I'll, I'll tell you. It, well, it, it, if we had built that deck, the last thing I want you to think of is I wish those guys would have not done this. You know, I'll do anything so that your impression is not of standing warped water. So I, I, speaking for your uh, installing company, I suspect they want to come back and take a look at this so that you think favorably instead of, geez, I wish they hadn't put, you know, little puddles at the end of every one of my deck. But you see what I mean? It, it's very much in their best interest to come out and make you smile. Well, he came out, took all the decking off, and worked on the stringers and put it back, and it's better, but it's still not what I think it should be. Huh. Wow, that surprises me. I, I'm surpri- That really surprises me. Huh. Well, he told me to come out with a heat gun and heat each one, and thinking that would level it out, which I don't think that'll work. I mean, they're all they're all tied down. Well, I promise you, there's no need of a heat gun today. Uh, you know, the sun and the heat today. I think there's just he may need to add one more board. This is, in in my opinion, this is probably a really simple fix of adding one more uh, floor joist in there, deck joist, that kind of pushes up there at the end. Um, And what what can happen is you wind up with uh, the last floor joist has a hump or cut cup or it's it's an up warp, that board warped up. And then maybe the one, you know, a few inches away, it warped down. Well, in this case, the last one warps up and the second to last warps down. So you may right. wind up, you know, he may need to sister or put another straighter board on there, something that he can uh, manipulate to a straight edge and raise or hump up that area so that you've got a 20-inch long um composite deck structure you know that board is a little longer so it may move the 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 water back 20 inches inside from the very end but you know 20 inches is a lot less noticeable than right at the end there so there are other options that i think he could if if he if he went to that extent i i think he'd sure uh, be willing to work with you on this yeah it's more aesthetic i mean it's not safety hazard or anything like that but uh very good okay thank you Yes, sir. Yeah, the and the heat. Uh, once you get the structure straight, you know today Mother Nature is going to heat you up to you know eighty five, eighty nine degrees. Those composite decks, if it's a even any any kind of a medium to dark color, those composite decks can hit one hundred and twenty, one hundred and thirty five degrees in the sun. So believe me, they get an opportunity to unwarp or or warp more either way. Very good. Thank you. All right, Ed. Take care. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, truly at your service, 314-436-7900. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, back together Saturday morning, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby, KMOX, 50,000 watts. And I promise that uh, I will share with you all the mistakes I've made. Well, that would take days, weeks, months, if not years, uh, because I've made a half century of them. And... 
correcting those from my own mistakes and, and lack of information or experience or, or skilled trade ability, thing, the ability to manually manipulate things, all of those things uh, are what's called experience. Um, so we've got a lot of experience. Our company, Mosby Building Arts, our family business, uh, has been in business now for 76 years. When our 76th year, we'll start 77 here in November. So uh, we've been around a long time and opportunity to make mistakes, fix mistakes, learn from those. We are in the design-build business now, which means we take responsibility, we design the project, we build the project, and we warranty the project. When we get that kind of ability to really design Design it um, and overcome and design it right, then it gets built correctly, or at least at the, the maximum level of our experience, what that allows with the current technology. Uh, because I will tell you, things we did 20 years ago are just wrong today. Uh, building materials have changed. Methods have changed. Skilled craftsmen abil- availability has changed. Anyway, let's go up and see what my friend Matt is doing here. Hey, Matt, good morning. Welcome to KMOX. How can I help? Uh, hey, Mike, uh, me and my wife are trying to do a little budget um, renovation on our master bath. Um, it's pretty small. Um, you know, we kind of want to do it with as little demo as possible. So we're, we're looking at using that um, tile paint and tub refinisher. I don't know if you're familiar with rust makes it. And I just uh-huh. wanted to get your opinion on it, if it's a decent product and if it's an okay way to go or if you're uh, just your opinion on the painting tile in general. Uh, is this on the tub or the tile itself? Uh, tile wall, but we were also, if it worked out well, we were going to do the shower pan as well. Um, well, fiberglass. I'll, oh, on, on fiberglass, it works really good because the fiberglass okay. is very soft and porous and it will take that finish. So fiberglass actually has a gel coat on it, which is applied. If you're going to do this professionally, have a real pro come in, uh, strip, prep, etch, uh, primer and paint, then I advise it. If it's something you're going to do yourself, then it would need to be like a basement bath walls only, but don't do your shower pan yourself. Uh, the product, the Rust-Oleum, all these coatings are incredibly high quality, but the weakest link is always how much surface prep um, and experience, skilled knowledge as to how you etch and prep uh, fiberglass, how you etch and prep tile, what you do to the tile grout, uh, pulling out the caulk first, recaulking all that before you paint. So the point being, the life of a shower base, if it were, uh, or say a bathtub, if you have a steel or cast iron bathtub and you refinish that, if it is a second, like a guest bath, hall bath, uh, or third bath that doesn't get used often, uh, that mm-hmm. refinishing will last a very long time. That'll be 10, 12, 15 years because the coating is is great. If it's a bathroom, you're going, if it's your primary bathroom, you're going to use every day, two, three, four times a day through families, uh, then you're, you're really getting two to four years out of that maybe five if you're lucky and then you have to strip and recoating it recoat it repaint it again and if you're doing walls the wall tile uh it whole it holds the finish pretty well it's it's where you're dropping uh bottles um impact things on the on the tub base or the shower base uh but if you're doing this professionally then I, I really like the process. If you're doing it yourself, you better be a really, really good painter and experienced painter because you're in the chemical business. Okay. Yeah, we were going to try the DIY route. Um, 
So let me throw this at you with the is there there's no way to replace the shower pan without at least taking probably that first row of tiles out. Right, right. Okay. And the shower door, shower and and the thing slides forward. It's it's a honestly the easiest part of that whole project to do a good job painting is the fiberglass shower base. Uh, and, and I learned this uh, when uh, we had a very, I think it was a black shower base 30 years ago. And, I mean, it was a striking bathroom, truly, you know, one of a kind. And the shower base was late, and it came in damaged. You know, and, and it was a Kohler product. Kohler said, go ahead and install it. We'll have it refinished. It's like, oh, great. You know, I've got a very discerning client, and I'm putting in a damage. Yeah. It was perfect, never a problem, because basically the on-site application was the same product, the same method, and uh, the only thing that was different was we did it in a bathroom instead of a dust-controlled paint booth at Kohler's factory. So it was amazing how high quality they were able to do fiberglass. So refinishing fiberglass tubs, one-piece shower units, stuff like that, you know, professionally applied. And, and what it is is spray. So what I'm really saying is if you're going to paint your car with a paintbrush, it's going to look dramatically different than if you have a professional spray it. And that's really where I'm sure. getting down to have the pros okay. do it. And they've got some pretty nasty etching chemicals, which they know just how long to put that stuff on the tile, on the tub, on the base. You know, so I'm pretty bullish. I've seen some magic happen with these pros, and I've seen some absolute, I've seen some really nasty-looking professionally applied things. So you have to get, sure. you know, you have to get somebody that's been in that business a long time. Okay. Okay, I appreciate your help, Mike. Thank you. You bet. Take care. Good luck. Okay, Matt. And and that is uh, very common. That and it's a hard conversation to have when you've got a primary bathroom where you know you've got a house that has one bathroom in it, and you know they're trying to hit a budget, and you're saying you know our advice typically is change the bathtub. You know it's like really that seems like a lot, and then you get these liner things where you drop over a new liner over it. You can actually drop a fiberglass or uh, a, a similar acrylic unit over the top. Uh, those are actually fairly uh, successful, but they're they're a different look, a different feel, different perception, and a different resale value when you're done. Anyway, you can talk about that more when we come back. Scott Mosby, Home Improvement, back for more after this. Received a vaccine. With SkyRizzy, you could achieve 90% clearer skin. Ask your doctor about the number one dermatologist prescribed biologic in psoriasis and visit SkyRizzy.com or call 1-866-SKYRizzy to learn more. Broadcasting from the Underlaw Entry Lawyers. Get Jim.com Studios. KMOX. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Sponsored by Reinhold Flooring. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, back together, Home Improvement, Scott Mosby. Let's wind it up here, and uh, let's talk to my buddy, Bob. Hey, Bob, good morning. How can I help you, friend? What's cooking on yeah, here? Good morning, morning? Scott. Um, I enjoy your show, and thank you for your service. Thank you. And, and respectfully, I'm asking, uh, I need, uh, asking for your ex- educated expert opinion on roof ventilation for an attic, as I'm, I seem to be getting conflicting opinions on it. So, um, And I know you're really good at building science so um yeah if if you like i can give you the background of the Please. project their house and yeah. um it's built around 1950 uh it's a hip roof has uh 12 inch wood soffits 
but there's no um, no current soffit vents, uh-huh. and uh, the roof is approximately 75 by 25 with a 50 foot long hip, and it only currently has one vent on one side, and there's no that's the only and it's up near the the hip, and there's no intake venting at all. That's the only vent for the whole attic. Yeah, yeah. How old is the roof here, Bob? Um, that I don't know, but I'm looking to get, you know, a roof, a shingle replacement. So now I'm kind of addressing the 75 year old problem. I, I, anything would be a, a bonus, you know, so, but I'm just trying to, trying to do the right thing for it, you know, and, yeah, and not really sure, you know, I realize, you know, like a balance, but there's no, right now there's, you know, just one, I don't really know what's, you know, it's been working, but I don't know, you know, it's, you know, I imagine it should help if I would add ventilation, I would hope, you know. Oh, yeah. Hip, first off, hip roofs are hard to mess with. That's why you've got the situation you're in. Um, mm-hmm. Number two, I, um, in terms of picking a roofer, when you start interviewing roofing companies, when you get mm-hmm. a roofer who's talking about the roof and then the ventilation system together, and then maybe even making some recommendations about adding insulation or not, the point is that there's a pecking order of roof companies. Um, there are guys that just replace shingles. You know, they're mm-hmm. it's like a parts repair in the mechanic. You know, I just take the old one out, put the new one in. They don't really understand much more than that, and they leave it at that. Uh, and they won't bring up ventilation with you because it's an easier sell. It's fewer dollars. You know, it looks inexpensive. Well, you're only dealing with half the problem. If you get a roofer in there that says, you know, um, the roofing's easy. We'll do this. We'll do this. We'll pick the shingles, you know. But I want to talk to you about roof ventilation, you know. And that now, now you're talking about somebody who's taken responsibility for the system and not just changing a material. Um, so that's, it's going to cost you more but you're also dealing with a more experienced company that knows that a well ventilated roof makes those shingles last longer Um, and frankly an under ventilated roof can threaten the warranty of a new roof so you put on a new roof you pay top dollar you know five years down the line your roof shingles start to curl you know the Mm -hmm. manufacturer comes out and says well you you haven't kept your side Mm -hmm. of the bargain you didn't cool off my shingles with a proper vented attic so that's that's so when you go to pick a roofer that's how you you know uh, kind of assess how smart they are about the system or not that being said um there you know what a pan vent is um the the little square things that pop up at the top of the roof on various houses are you familiar with their their square sometimes they're big round looking things yeah yeah that that's kind of what you yeah you know how many do you have um there's only one there's one vent on the hip and that's one current vent so there's it's only not getting yeah unless i guess it's getting leaks you know somewhere i guess i don't know you know um well that's why you're gonna wind 
you're going to wind up with a whole bunch of, to properly ventilate this, you're going to put intake vents around your 12-inch overhang, um, evenly spaced all the way around probably every three or four feet. They can cut them in and put a, a grill on it. Uh, they can replace that soffit material with something that has it already built in. Uh, that You need um, two-thirds of your ventilation is low, one-third high. Um, the mm-hmm. one-third high uh, ridge vent, you don't have enough ridge to put a ridge vent up, which is why you don't have that. So you wind up with a bunch of these unattractive pan vents, and you might have one at the top, two underneath that, and then three below that on two or three sides, and uh, trying to avoid that front elevation of your house. The point being that there is a way to get to that proper calculation. It's still pretty simple. The collision is kind of like homeowners with downspouts. No, I don't want you know, five downspouts on the front of my house. So it's kind of a negotiation with the uh, ventilation roofer to talk with them on where the place is, how to go about doing that. Uh, The easiest way to hit the numbers is to have a powered roof vent, which is a motorized thing that could be solar powered or not. The problem with those things is you can hear them at 2 a.m. in the morning. They run all the time pretty much because they run at 150 degrees. The point being that it's really hard to make them attractive and silent so anyway good luck uh, but uh, pick your roofer according to ventilation bob scott mosby home improvement camo x